Hey, this is Andrew DiMazio, lead pastor of Rose Church here in Portland, Oregon. Welcome to our podcast. Our mission here at Rose is building big people, becoming like Jesus in community while growing in our faith. Whoever you are, wherever you are, I pray today's message challenges you and encourages you on your walk with Jesus. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy today's podcast. Well, we're going to jump into the word today. Um, and we've been on a series over the last number of Sundays called Great Faith. Great Faith, I think today is week number six. And we've talked about um, a lot of different things, but mainly about this person named Abram or this individual named Abraham. So we haven't just talked about like the theme of faith. We've been talking about the person of faith, this man named Abraham that we have now followed into, that he is the father of our faith. We're looking at all the sections and the moments of his life. We've gone through Genesis 11. Now we're going to be all the way in Genesis 22 for the day. And over the last five weeks, just as way of reminder, we have talked about it takes faith to leave. Genesis 11, we talked, it takes faith to leave your family, leave your native land, step out. We have talked about it takes faith to have God be at the center. We talked about the comparison between building an altar in Genesis 12 and building a tower in Genesis 11. It takes faith to have God be at the center of your story. We talked about, uh, Dr. AJ was here a few weeks ago. It takes faith for the middle, faith to be in between Canaan and Egypt. Last week we talked about it takes faith to give. This week we're going to talk about it takes faith to worship. It takes faith to worship. And we're going to do something a little different for today. I'm only going to preach for 10, 15 minutes, and then we're going to have an extended morning of worship. Um, and if you've been uh, here any length of time, uh, we usually, for, for most of the year, we just start, uh, stopped last week or two weeks ago. Uh, we do something every single Thursday called Pursuit, which is an hour, hour and a half of worship, prayer. There's no preaching. Just we gather on Thursdays and we pursue and we worship and we spend time in God's presence. We've canceled those for the summer um, for multiple reasons. Um, but we've gotten some negative feedback about it because people miss pursuits already. So we have figured that we will just make Pursuit on a Sunday. And so I'm going to preach really short for the day, and I've given all my preaching time to the, to the band, so we're going to have um, an extended day of just worship in, in God's presence. But I want to read to you real quick before we jump into worship. Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. We're going to read just 13 verses real quick, and I want to bring up just a few phrases as we prepare our hearts to worship. It says this in Genesis 22 and verse 1. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abram, Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. He says, take your own son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on the one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abram got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day... The third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in a distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two men walked along together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, "This is I think this is so funny. Isaac turned to his father and said, uh, Father, yes, my son, Abram said, we have the fire, we have the wood, where's the sheep? Like, I think Isaac's starting to figure out, we're walking up this hill, like, there's fire, there's a knife, there's meat. Who's getting sacrificed? He says, we have, 
We have wood, we have fire. Well, where's the sacrifice for the burnt offering? This is what he says. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told them, Abraham built an altar and arranged wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood, and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Do not lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your own son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up saw a ram caught by its, uh, its, its horns in the thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Let's pause there. Now, if you're like, okay, this is a lot for 9 a.m. talking about children's sacrifice and stuff. Um, I don't know if I'm really interested in, in this kind of church. Um, let me explain. It's a very, very bizarre story, um, but let me explain. Um, this is the second time in all of the Bible the word worship is used. The word worship is used. I want to bring out just a few things from Genesis 22 today that I would like to lay at your feet and lay at your heart as we prepare ourselves to worship. Because you must understand, uh, one massive aspect of our church that has always been a big, big aspect of our church is worship. Something happens differently in the word, in the preaching, in hearing God's word. Something specific happens there. Something completely different and very specific happens when we worship. And not just individually worship, like in our cars and home and listening to Maverick City or listening to the Hill Song or listening to Beth or whoever you listen to in your car ride or, you know, in your backyard or, you know, reading your Bible, whatever. There's something different that happens in corporate worship. That when we gather and when we sing, there is something that happens when we sing these words, sing these melodies. What's fascinating, and I've talked about this on Pursuits, is that every single time in the Old Testament that a prophet, that a king or whoever would ask a prophet, like, hey, I need you to come pray and I need you to hear from God to tell me what to do with the nation. Every single time before the prophet, the man who would hear on behalf of God, would ask or tell the king what God said, he would say, I need a musician first. I find it fascinating that every single time in the Old Testament, God's voice was there and music was there. Because there's something that happens when we sing. This is more than just lyrics and melodies and singing in A, B, C or whatever key we're singing in or like whatever note, whatever lyric. It's so much more than that. Something deeply happens in a room and in an atmosphere when we sing corporately together and lift our voice, lift our, our eyes, lift our heart and lean in to God's presence. And for us here at Rose the last five years, worship is something that has set our church apart. It is something that has been from the very beginning something that we deeply focus on. That's what we're going to take an extra uh, extended time today to, to worship. But this is a, uh, the second time in the Bible where God uses or the Bible uses the word worship. I'm going to bring up four things today. Then I'm going to land somewhere. And I'm going to see if you saw it as we read it today. This story is, is amazing. Number one, the Bible says that God came to test Abraham. Why is God testing people? I don't know about you. I hated tests when I was a kid. I was not good at school. I was good at lunch, recess, and in, in, in math, that was it. Like, I, I did not do well in school. I did well in Bible college and seminary, but did not do well in school. Um, I didn't like tests. And, whenever, and whenever you, if you walked up to me and said, I have a test for you, I automatically think a test is bad. Isn't it interesting that even in our mind, we think most tests are traps. 
why in the world, and this is not the first time the Bible says that God tested him. Tests and traps, the only difference is the motive in the one giving them. Every time God tests someone, his motive is to give them opportunity to prove God right. It is not a motive to trip you up and trap you. So God comes to test Abraham. Here's a scenario. Here's a situation that you can choose to obey or not obey. God comes to test. And how does he test him? Then the Bible says this. God comes to Abraham and tests him. He says, Abraham. And what is Abraham's response? Here I am, Lord. That is the heart posture of every worshiper. Here I am. Here I am is, is, is indicative of also saying, like, what do you want me to do? What do you need from me? It's almost like this. Abraham's saying yes. What's the question? My answer is already yes. I don't know what you're going to ask me. I don't know what you're going to say. I don't know where you're going to send me. But my answer is already yes. The heart posture of every worshiper, the heart disposition of every worshiper is, here I am, Lord. Here I am. What do you want me to do? What do you want to say to me? Where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to do? Could you imagine what this church or every church, even in the metro or this city, what we could accomplish if every believer's heart posture was, here I am, Lord. Here I am. What do you want from me? My answer is yes. What do you, what, here I am. Speak, Lord. My ears are open. Notice that Abraham doesn't say, where are you? He says, here I am. Here I am. And then God comes to him and says, I want you to take your son. Interesting phrasing that we read it multiple times. God says to him, take your only son. Wait, wait. Hey, time out. Two chapters earlier, we'll read it in a few weeks from now. Abraham has a son named Ishmael with a lady named Hagar, which we'll get into later. Ishmael is older than Isaac. Isaac was born later. What's interesting to me is Abraham has two sons. Ishmael and Isaac. Why does God tell him, I want your only son? He does not have an only son. He has two sons. Then what does God say? I want your only son, comma, the one whom you love. I want that one. Long story, we'll get into it. Sarah couldn't have kids, his wife, so he sleeps with his servant Hagar, and he has Ishmael illegitimately outside of God's plan. He finally has Isaac through his wife, who he's been waiting 30 years for. Isaac is the promised son God's way. Ishmael is the one he forced. Isaac is the one he loves the most because it's the one that was chosen through God's line. Worship is always God asking for your Isaac. Notice how God does not say, I would like one of your sons. He says, I want the one I know you love the most. What I've noticed many times during worship is when the presence of God comes to the deepest corridors of your soul and says, I want that. <clears throat> and every single time we come to corporate worship, it's us laying down our Isaac. And I don't mean literal people. It's the thing that you love more than God. Because Christians have tendencies to love what God gives them more than the one who gave it. 
And it's interesting how often Abrahams are obsessed with God until they get their Isaac. Then they turn all their attention to their Isaac and they forget about the God that gave them their Isaac. So what happens many times during worship is God comes and puts his finger on the thing you love most and says, I, I want that. What is your Isaac? Your timeline? Your payroll? That relationship? That, what is your most important from God blessing? God, you gave me this. I want it back. But it's from you. I want it back. And God will come many times, not during the word, the word, not during prayer, not during silence and solitude, not, dur not during mowing the backyard, backyard drinking your beer. It's during worship. Because when corporate worship starts, something happens in the deepest corridor of your soul that a pill cannot get to, that a bottle cannot get to, that money cannot get to, that there is something that happens in the truest part of you. And God many times goes, I want that back. Because worship is the ultimate reordering of disordered loves. He says, I want Isaac. And this is what's crazy. The next sentence says, and Abraham got up early in the morning. I'm sorry, I'm sleeping in. <laughs> Knowing what I have to get up and do, I'm sleeping in. But what's Abraham's posture? I'm eager to obey. I'm going to get up early and set course because I'm eager to do what God has asked me to do. They get there. They're going up the hill, and, and Isaac's there. And, and, they're, and they're going up the hill, and he's carrying the wood, and Abraham's there. And this is what's crazy. The next thing I want you to consider about worship is they're about to go up the hill, and Abraham tells his servants, we're going to go worship. He doesn't say, I'm going to go sacrifice. He says, we're going to go worship. And this is then what he says next is mind-blowing. He says, and we'll be back. He did not say, I will be back. He said, we will be back. How can you say, we will be back, when you are told one of you is not coming back? Because the heart of worship is saying something you see, not something you see. You know why I think Abraham said it? It's because I think Abraham knew God's character, even though he didn't understand the request. Many times worship is prophetic statements. I will make it in this. I will come back from this. We will make it through this. Knowing what you see, what you sense, what you're aware of, his statement is, oh, we'll be back. Because for many times, worship is not practical, but it is prophetic. 
it takes a very specific person to lift their hands and tell God how good he is when the moment they're staring at is telling them how bad God is. We'll be back. What a statement. Wait for us here. We're coming back. And then Isaac, they're going up. <laughs> and Isaac goes, I see the knife. I see the wood. Where's the lamb? And notice what Abraham says. He does not say, you're the lamb. What do you say? God will provide. Abraham knew God's character. He knew that God is not into child sacrifice. He knew God was not trying to take a literal son from him. He knew this is a moment where God is asking me for something I love more than anything in this world. And I know God will provide. They get to the top and he makes an altar and ties his son up and lays him down and he's about to kill him and the angel of the Lord, God speaks in and it says, don't kill him. There's a ram in the thicket. I found that when you worship this way, it is always met with provision. Always. God's waiting to provide. He's waiting to meet. He's waiting to step in. Worship, deep-hearted Abrahamic worship is always met with God providing. And then he says, I now know you love me because you did not withhold from me. It took all this? You didn't know I loved you yesterday? You didn't know I loved you when I left my home? You didn't know I loved you when I went through the Negev? You didn't, now you know? Because you didn't withhold. Worship is a place where you give God what he is asking for and you don't withhold. You give. You let go. And I end here. The Bible says then he takes the ram in the thicket and sacrifices. And Abraham and Isaac get up and they go back down the hill. Um, I read you the 13 verses. We, we, we read the story. Doesn't this story sound a little familiar? Where a father makes his son carry wood on the way to be sacrificed. Does that not ring a bell to a different story that happens in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Where a father asks his son, I need you to pick up the wood. named a cross, and I need you to carry it. But that Isaac doesn't get up. That Isaac stayed on the altar. We are the Isaac in Genesis 22, but the ultimate Isaac will come one day. And he would not get off the altar. Do you know what worship ultimately is? Saying thank you that I was able to get up and off the altar. And the ultimate sacrifice stayed on the altar so that I could get up and go. Worship is simply a memory issue. 
Christians that don't like to worship have a short-term memory. Because you have forgotten. You were the Isaac on the altar. You were the one that deserved. You were the one that earned. You were the one that was supposed to stay. But there was a ram in the thicket. There was a lamb in the thicket that one day he would pick up the wood. He would remove us and say, you go on your way. You go free. I will pick up the wood. I will lay myself down. And because I won't get up, you get to get up and leave. Worship is a memory issue. So today we're going to worship. In memory, that I gotta walk free. If our ministry has been a blessing to you at all, whether through the podcast, online, or through socials, would you consider partnering with us financially to help us continue blessing people and reaching people with the gospel of Jesus? If you'd like to do so, you can go online to rosechurch.org slash give. Thank you so much for partnering with us and helping us continue to do what God has put in our hearts here for you.